Hey friends, here's a special exclusive episode from the Chia Logician side of the house that I think you'll enjoy. I wanted to be sure that you had something worth your listening time while I take a few weeks to rest and restore by stepping away from the digital world. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash Geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. 
If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app slash switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign-up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. And now, please enjoy the special Geologician mission. Hey friends, we're back here at Geological. I've got a part two for you today with our friend Sharon Weizenbaum. It's on classical medicine, classical medicine. That is such a term fraught with so much meaning these days. I am looking forward to getting into this. Sharon, welcome back to Geological. Thank you, Michael. It's nice to be here. So classic medicine. I mean, we hear this term bantied about so much these days, right? Because there's so many acupuncturists these days and so often people brand themselves like this or brand themselves like that. And, you know, of course we have this deep respect for the classics because that is, that is a innate part of Chinese medicine that we want to go back and look at or try to understand something about what people that came before us were looking at. So, and especially these days, you know, thanks in part to many people doing translations, yours included, by the way, that latest one in the lantern, all y'all is listening, this is uh, the end of May, 2019, and the the latest lantern has a complete edition, I'm going to plug them here, I can't help it, it's so good, Mm -hmm. a complete edition devoted to uh, Fu Qingzhu, and it's just fantastic. And uh, it's so wonderful to be able to have access to materials in English that the Chinese have had access to for such a long time. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to this conversation here with you, Sharon, about the, the old, old medicine. Mm, yes. Yes. It's very, uh, once you start getting into it, it's very, it's so intriguing. You can't stop exploring. Yeah. So when you think about old or you think about classic Chinese medicine, what are you thinking about? What comes to mind? What has your attention? Mm. Well, I was listening to one of the recent podcasts with Phil Settles, and he he talked about the, you know, um, that like water come, you know, that its source is so pure and then it travels down and down the river and it gets you know, it spreads out, but it also gets a little more silty as it goes down. And so when I think of the classics, I mm. thought that was a beautiful metaphor um, that you're kind of going to the source where it's very pure um, before it's been um, interpreted through the ages. Um, so these old books that are, that can be very difficult to read because they're written in a very cryptic style and really to me it's like they need to be decoded you know they're written in a kind of Mm. code and we can guess that the ancients had a particular world view that made it that this was not hard to read you know but maybe it was for them but maybe it wasn't for them because it fit with their world view that we are so different from them that it's hard for us to um, understand what they're writing about. So the classics really invite you to shift your whole world view. And 
So what I've done over time is to see, like, how should I shift my worldview? And if I shift it like that or like that, does it, do I suddenly have a sense of, oh, that now makes a lot of sense to me. Something that just seemed really bizarre and I couldn't understand at all. And I shift my worldview and all of a sudden, this makes perfect sense now. So sort of looking for that yeah, place. Something where really something, comes into view. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can you give us an example of something that maybe you'd been chewing on for, a, you know, years maybe? And then yeah. you, you finally come across something that you read. Maybe you've read it now for the fifth or sixth time and you go, oh, wait a minute. I think they mean this, not that. Yeah, um, I had a really strong experience um, where, you know, I just sh a shift in my perspective and all these things fell into place. And I'd been studying classic formulas. And what I mean by that is just the formulas that come from John Zhongjing. And basically, I'd been studying yeah, those. And, yeah, the Jingfang and studying, you know, with um, Dr. Huang Huang and Fu Yanling, you know, both of whom we invited here to teach and, you know, just had a very um, strong attraction to those formulas in a sense that they're, there's something really deep here. And, you know, and certainly getting to know the formulas and how to work with them in the clinic. Um, but I felt like I was missing something in the actual text itself, like the Shang Han Lun. And, um, mm. and I just read it and read it kind of like looking for the code, <laughs> you know, that would make it become clearer. You know, it's, it's a, it's obtuse in, in a, in an important way. And, um, and then a friend of mine actually went to China with Heiner Fruhoff and studied with Liu Lihong over a summer. Mm. And uh, this was maybe, I don't know, 15 years ago or something, um, maybe 12 years ago. I can't remember. But um, anyway, she um, came back and I'd been studying the Shang Han Lun intensively that whole summer kind of trying to figure out the code you know, of, of the, the way it's organized and the clauses. And, and she said something, she said, Leo Li Hong said that it's all about tracking the yang. And I mm. think I'd been so involved with the text that all of a sudden I was like, oh, and I, this picture came into my head spontaneously which was of the sun going around the earth which in a relative sense from where we stand the sun goes around the earth and that this yang is moving around the earth all the time and that it's moving in the same way in our bodies and that the shang han lun is all about tracking the young, meaning the life force, and that the confirmations are all related to the movement of the sun around the earth, that they that the movement of the young in our body, the life force is going in accordance with the sun and that the confirmations 
of the Shang Han Lun, the six confirmations that are sometimes translated as the six levels or six channels, that those are actually stages in the movement of the life force around our body that's in coordination with the movement of the sun around the earth. And all of a sudden, like all the formulas fell into place, sort of like click, 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 click. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, the text just made so much sense to me. So I went back to it and just had so many aha moments of how how the really the physiology of the Shang Han Lun, how that works. Um, and eventually that even that perspective, then suddenly I'm reading the Nei Jing in a very different way and seeing that the Nei Jing is really describing the physiology and the Shang Han Lun uses that physiology to describe what happens when things aren't working well and what do you do about it? So that was a big moment where tons of things got clear just with a paradigm yeah. shift. Well, I suspect these paradigm shifts, I mean, they're lovely when they arrive. It's unpredictable when they arrive, mm -hmm. but something that I've heard from other people, I'm hearing it from you, I've heard it from others, my teachers in particular, uh, I've, I've had a few small moments of it myself where it's like you keep banging your head against the book or whatever source it is that you're working with. And at one point, it kind of makes a little bit of sense. And then there's a point where it's like, what the hell are they talking about? This is all nonsense. And then, well, maybe it's like this. And then you try some stuff in your clinic and you wonder if you're ever going to get it. And then, yes, yeah, sometimes it's like one, it's like a, it's like a catalytic conversion of some sort mm -hmm. and everything shifts, right? You go, oh, it's about tracking the yang, mm -hmm. right? I've heard of the Shang Han Lun as well. It's about the yang in the fluids. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes it's something that's just that simple where you go, oh, the key thing is this. And then you go back and you read all the different parts with that in your mind. And it does, it, it's almost like reading a whole different book. Mm -hmm. And then you start yeah. looking at other things and you go, oh, I see how it's reflected over there. Mm -hmm. So exactly. one of those for me has been the uh, Liu Jing, right? The six, is, you know, there's just not a good translation for Liu Jing, the six Jing, is there? It's, I mean, all the translations kind of suck, six levels, Six confirmations, six layers. I, I always think of a cake when I think of six layers. I don't think there is a good translation for that. It, it's just one of those things. That in some ways, I just want to leave it as six jing. Yeah, um, yo jing. <laughs> because otherwise, my mind wants to fit them into a box that that they don't fit in. Yeah. Uh, but those have been one for me recently that... I used to think, oh, it's kind of this nice idea. We're looking at nature. We're looking at climate. It's very poetic. I love that our language and our medicine is poetic. But recently, especially when you go and you stick the five phases on top of those six jing, all kinds of stuff starts to pop into view. Mm. And you've spent some time really looking at the... Uh, Wu Yun, uh, Liu, how do you say it? The, the, the five phases and six movements. Mm -hmm. Five movements and six, uh, six, six, uh, six, six, like six, six Jing. 
Six cheap, right. That's right. I always forget that little phrase. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'd love to get your take on that and how that's informing your work these days. Yeah. Well, um, you know, going back to the Neijing, it becomes very clear first that, you know, it's explicit that to understand the world. Can we hang on a second until your phone stops ringing? Um, you were just about to jump into your yeah. understanding of that. We'll just pick it up here yeah. for the editor. So when you go to the Neijing, the Neijing is actually, uh, it's a book that's about understanding physiology through numbers. And, you know, so the number five, the number six, they have very clear meanings and um and the neijing says that the chi resonating with heaven is which is the leo chi moves ceaselessly and the chi corresponding to earth is still and holds its position and that the chi corresponding to earth is the wu yun so this idea that the number five the wu yun the five phases or the five movements that they um, relate to earth and stay in position. So we have this idea of the number five, which is related to the Zhangfu as being still, that it's on the earth and it holds mm. its position. You know, so the the elements themselves, they are about, um, this is also explicit in the Neijing, they're about uh, birth, growth, development, decline, and death, um, or storage. And that, but so there's a being on earth that goes through these phases of birth, development, and decline, and storage, um, or death. And this stays in position. And that, so that's the number five, and that's really related to the Zongfu. And the number six is really related to the six qi, you know, which is heat and fire, dryness, damp, um, cold, and wind. And so the six qi are actually um, that which acts on this being that's in order for it to grow and develop. In a way, it's like there's a plant that will grow and develop and decline. Um, and that the six chi are like, well, it needs, you know, it needs mud and it needs water and it needs air and it needs warmth. And so these six chi that come from heaven are what it needs in order to do that thing of growing and developing and eventually dying and being reborn again. So we have this difference between the number five and the number six, and, and those six chi are clearly related to the six confirmations, which I'll just translate as confirmations for now. Um, so the-, the It's the helpful to have a common language, just whichever one we agree on is fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the relevance of this difference between the number five and the number six is that, you know, we have this, Zongfu diagnosis, and we talk about the 
organs themselves and what the functions of the organs are and what the pathology of the organs are. And that kind of Zongfu diagnosis is sort of loosely classified as TCM, you know, that modern Chinese medicine mm -hmm. uses Zongfu diagnosis. And yet, clearly in the Neijing, the Zongfu were talked about all the time. So it's not a modern idea to, to use the Zongfu in diagnosis. And also even in the Shanghanlun, the Zongfu are talked about. Um, so we don't want to poo-poo it and say, I do, you know, classic formulas and I use six confirmations. So I'm going to poo-poo Zongfu diagnosis. So for me, um, what interests me and what I've been teaching is being able to have a really clear Zongfu diagnosis with people, really just seeing what's going on with their organs. And, but also realizing that that diagnosis is not going to get you to a good formula. And the reason it's not going to get you to a good formula is because that diagnosis is static because those number five stays still. So you can see spleen chi deficiency, kidney yang deficiency, but it doesn't tell you anything about the dynamic and the interrelationship between the Zongfu and the um, blood and fluids. So to me, it's yes. important to see clearly in a static way what's going on with the organs. And then to be able to shift that into the number six paradigm in order to really see the what I call the space-time motions the actual dynamic of what's going on. So if you can see the dynamic, then you can shift it at its core. You can go into that dynamic and Absolutely. promote the, the physiological movement that's necessary to kind of unlock the whole package. So Zongfu diagnosis, you know, we might, you know, clear heat in the lungs or, clear heat in the blood or tonify the blood. But when we're, when we go to the number six, we see what's the reason why that heat is there and how do I change the dynamic so that that heat is resolved rather than just going in and putting out heat. Well, isn't this, I mean, this is something that we learn in our first month of acupuncture school, I would think is that there's a root and there's a branch. Mm -hmm. So is what you're talking about here, the essence of we've got a root, we got a branch. In some ways, you can look at the branch and go, this is my snapshot, it's my diagnosis. But the root is more of like a motion picture that this, that this snapshot is just one glimpse of. No, I wouldn't say it that way. Um, to me... You wouldn't say it that the, way. Okay. No, to me, the, um, the root is the... Uh, is the dynamic for sure, but I wouldn't say the branch is the um, the still picture. I would say that the branch is the manifestation in the body, like all the symptoms, you know? So you have some dynamic going on in the body that is actually invisible to the patient, you know, and invisible to us unless we can see it in the right way. So it's, I also like to call it the invisible realm because that's what we actually use the mm -hmm. signs and symptoms and pulses to get to the invisible realm that we can understand so we can resolve it. And then that the branch is actually 
the headache that someone's having or the constipation um, that, that we don't want to just go and treat the constipation, the branch and the headache. We want to go to the root dynamic so that the branches naturally resolve. So that would be more how I would think about the root and the, the branch. And I think even the Wu, Wu Yun, the, the Zong Fu, the seeing it through the number five is part of the root, but it's just not complete until you can move it into the number six and see the space-time motion dynamic of it. And that's what the six confirmations do completely. Okay, so let me make sure that I'm, I'm following this. We've got something that's locked in time and space, and that's, that's basically the realm of the number five. Mm-hmm. And we can, we can see the root of where that problem is coming from. We can see the branch manifestations. There's a lot that you can do working there, but if you really want to shift it in a super profound way, you actually need, it's like jumping to a higher order of uh, coherence, or it's like being able to go from two dimensions to three dimensions. You move to the to the number six, where we've got the six different chi, and now we can begin to see how something's actually come into being, probably where it's headed too, unless we intervene. That's right. You can see where it's. Does headed. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Um, and and what I've come to discover is that if you try to go from signs and symptoms to a confirmation or to mm-hmm. a formula, it's often you can't get there. Jumping from signs and symptoms to a confirmation, it gets really confusing and contradictory. And for me, what I've I mean, this is why people have so much trouble with herbal medicine, right? Exactly, exactly. And so a study for me has been how do you get from signs and symptoms, which is what the person walks in with, right? They walk in with symptoms and pulses and abdomens and complexions. You know, they walk in with all this information and it's all in the visible realm. And but how do you get from there to the invisible realm? You know, where and you can articulate it clearly in the invisible realm because that's what actually will lead you to the formulas is being able to articulate that in the invisible realm and see it in these space-time motions but to me to get there you have to actually see what's going on first you know in the number five you have to see the static picture that the signs and symptoms will really lead you to a zongfu diagnosis and information about the blood and fluids. And from there, you can get to the space-time motions. But if you try to just jump over the number five, it leads to a lot of um, misdiagnosis and confusion. And I see that a lot, the confusion between number five and number six, the Zongfu kind of mushed, either dismissed completely or mushed around to try to fit with the six. and to me, there are different um, views of the body that um, that they need each other. Those two views need each other, that there's a numerological step-by-step. And uh, I can give you 
an example, if you want, of yeah, I, I would I love mean. to have an example. I just want to say this: this sounds like the way our eyes work in a way, right? If if you cover up one eye or if you've lost the sight in one eye, you lose your you lose your depth of perception, mm -hmm. right? So you can cover one eye, you lose your depth of perception. You can cover the other eye, open up the the first eye. Again, you're seeing through one eye, you're seeing a flat picture. Mm -hmm. But when you've got both eyes, now it's stereoscopic. That's a great. And what I hear you talking about here is you get very grounded in in the five. That's one view, super important. You get, you know, the other eye, the other foot into the world of the six chi, the the six confirmations, and now you've got a whole different picture. I mean, it reminds me a little bit. Uh, we used to have this thing in the Sunday newspaper. Oh man, this was like back when I was studying Chinese medicine a hundred years ago. Um, it, it was called the magic eye and it just looked like static on a television. If you're old enough to remember what oh, static yes. on a television looks like. I remember it, those. Remember those? And you, and you look at yeah. it and you wouldn't see anything, but if you let your eyes relax a certain way, a 3D image would come out. And once you were in the 3D image, you could walk around and look around and there was a lot of stuff in there. But yeah. you had to get it, you had to be in it before you could see it. And the more you and, try, and when I hear you talking about, it sounds like something similar. The more you try, the farther away it gets. And but you have there's something you have to relax and allow in order. For yes, that's right. Um, and and I tell my students that a, a a clear diagnosis is not actually something you have to figure out. It's something that is revealed to you when you see things as they are and stop jumping to conclusions. And it's amazing, like it's actually easier to diagnose, much easier to diagnose than you might think, but it's actually much harder to do because you have to drop your regular ways of being in relation to the patient and start to see in this different way. And what's really difficult is dropping all the other things and creating the space that allows the diagnosis to be revealed. So it's really um, being a good diagnostician is really having to work with your own mind because your mind is really wanting to pin it down and jump to conclusions and, you know, figure it out. And it's difficult to kind of relax that and allow it to come forward. Um, so I demonstrate in my classes, I demonstrate a lot the process, like watch what happens when we don't jump to conclusions and how the diagnosis actually comes forward for us. Hello everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of yang, the primal reservoir of yang which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind and spirit. 
I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do Channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. This is, um, I mean, that's just a whole different kind of medicine. That's just a whole different stance toward life. Most of us have gotten a lot of gold stars for pinning things down. Yes. Oh, look, you're smart. You got that figured out. Oh, you got all those questions right on the test. Um, you know, and of course, the process of learning Chinese medicine is a lot of pats on the back and check marks and, and yeah, you got it so that you can get through school and that you can get your license. It almost sounds like what you're talking about here is there's a whole different kind of training that we need or a whole different kind of practice, maybe like a capital P type practice that allows us into this other perspective. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And it's quite beautiful. You know, when you start to see through that, um, that view, um, not to mention effective, you know, which is always mm -hmm. the, the bottom line, isn't it? Um, well, it is. And I mean, of course, taking care of our patients and being helpful to them is, you know, the reason we get up in the morning, generally speaking, um, and go do the work that we do. What I hear you talking about here is a kind of a way of, of learning to look and see. And because we're focused today on the, on the five phases and the six confirmations, I, I want to hear more about how you make that shift, how you go from the five to the six, because yeah. it, I just got a hunch here. It sounds like there's something in learning to make that shift that opens up the possibility of the kind of vision and how shall I say it, the opportunity for a diagnosis to reveal itself. Right. Well, the, the first thing is this idea that it's all about tracking the young is really important and and this what i call shang hanlun physiology the which is space time motions and what that means is um you know the way we learn about the shang hanlun in tcm school is these levels that start from the outside and go deeper 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 and then the Yin is like the deepest and that just absolutely can't be because everything in Chinese medicine is about cycles. You know, the cycle of the sun, the right. cycle of the moon, the planets, the constellations, the Neijing is just all about cycles and how they work in our body and how the heaven, what's going on in heaven is what's going on in our bodies, you know, just over and over. So if we take that as a starting point, and then we see that the six confirmations are really describing these space-time motions. And what that means is that, you know, if we think about Taiyang as being in the east and above the horizon, and it's going up and out, you know, so the sun comes up in the morning in the east, it goes up and out. 
And so Taeyong is that motion going up and out, and it needs to go all the way up and out. And when it goes all the way, that's noon. And what happens at noon? It starts to go down and in. So Taeyong is really, the you look at the formulas and what kinds of herbs and formulas, well, we can ask what happens if that gets blocked? You know, it means that things don't go up and out the way they're supposed to. And that's basically the Taeyong pattern. And John Zhongjing describes these symptoms that will come up. And those symptoms he describes are really kind of a picture of an energetic. They aren't actually only the symptoms that will show up, but they're describing this energetic of not being able to complete the up and out. And so the formulas, what are they? They're pungent and warm primarily, and they help complete the up and out. So a Taeyong pattern is actually not completing the up and out. And the formulas all mm -hmm. help the body complete that. Then you think of noon and what happens at noon, it starts going down and in, and that's Yang Ming. So at Yang Ming, what happens if it gets blocked at noon going down? Well, it gets really hot. If the sun stops at noon and can't go down, it starts to get really hot, right? And then what are these formulas like? They're bitter and cold. And this is a generalization because the formulas are a... Mm -hmm. more complex than that. But in general, they're bitter cold. And so they clear heat and they downbear and they downbear through the primarily the digestive tract, you know, going all the way from the top down to the bottom. And, um, and, you know, then we have the Xiaoyang, which is down at dusk, and it's going then from the horizon back under. And so, if we if we just think about yin yang, we can see yang is always coming down from heaven, and it depends on this downward movement of yang ming, in order to enter our body. But in order to become physiological fire in our body, it has to pivot down in the dantian, and start going up. So like the yang ming is like the pipeline, but then it has to pivot in order to become ministerial fire in order to start supporting our body. And that's the Xiaoyang. It pivots from the outside so that it can go into position. And the Neijing is very clear that the imperial fire, you know, governs by governs through clear light and the ministerial fire governs by position. You know, it's always talking about the ministerial fire has to be in the right position. You know, so the Xiaoyang really gets- Dr. Yu was talking a lot about that, he wasn't was he? He was talking a lot about that, exactly. And that's from the Neijing, that understanding of that being in position. And the Xiaoyang is really about getting it into position. And the, the you know, then the yin confirmations are about keeping it there and storing it there. And, you know, so you can start to see these space-time motions and all of it is about the movement of yang. And how is that? And yang is our life force because when we're dead, we're cold. So, you know, being alive means being warm and being alive means that warmth is circulating all the time. And it's circulating in these six directions all the time in order for us to be alive. And the signs and symptoms that show up are not signs and symptoms of pathogens 
in a location, there are signs and symptoms of that movement, that space-time movement not happening. No, so a Shaoyang pattern means that the pivot is not pivoting properly. The Shaoyang pivot is not pivoting properly. So heat develops because, of course, if it's not moving, the heat is going to, that wants to come in is going to accumulate. And also the inside is going to, the next confirmation, Taiyin, is going to be weakened because the ministerial fire is not getting into the right position. So with the Shaoyang formula, rather than thinking about it as finding and getting a pathogen that's trapped in the Shaoyang, we think about it as restoring the pivotal function of the Shaoyang. And the, the symptoms that show up are not signs of a pathogen. They're simply signs of the Shaoyang not functioning. So in this way so of looking at things- signs of the process not exactly. being able to complete itself. Exactly. Not being able to complete itself. You know, so we don't ever look for pathogens and try to get, get rid of them. Um, we're just looking to restore the, the space-time motion. So all the yang confirmations, the Taiyang, Yangming, and Xiaoyang have to be open through because they're yang, which is means hollow. They have to be open through. And the yin confirmations, they're zhang, you know, it's about storage. They all need to store in order to be healthy. So the pathology of the yin confirmations is always about failure to store fluids, yang, or nutrition. You know, or like with the zhui yin, it's about storing within the blood, storing warmth and fluid within the blood. And so the pathology of the yin confirmations is always about failure to store, um, where yang confirmations are failure to move through. So all the treatment then, we, you know, from the way that I look at it, the way I teach, we're never looking for a pathogen, like where's the pathogen and how do we get it out? The pathogens are actually our own physiological substances warmth and fluids that are not being transformed properly. So I'll give you an example of a case. And, um, and this is uh, somebody who saw a different practitioner and did pretty well with her. And, um, um, and just the difference of the way of looking at it. So this is someone with a very um, serious, aggressive form of leukemia. And you know, we know for sure that his blood is really deficient and stagnant. You can see it in his skin and complexion and tongue. And, um, and so then we want to look like, okay, blood stagnation is always a branch. Like, why is his blood so stagnant? That would be my question. Like, you know, Stagnant blood is one thing, but why is it so stagnant? And so, you know, for him, there's also um, uh, his tongue is red and he feels hot. So mm -hmm. previously he was given Shui Fu Ju Yu Tong to vitalize the blood and also to um, do it in a cooling kind of way, which makes a lot of sense. And then... Um, Shui Niao Jiao was added to cool heat in the blood. So if we, and that 
-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Um, and it all makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so then when I, he was brought to me and like, can you do your diagnosis on him? So definitely blood stagnation, definitely blood stagnation due to heat, you know, where heat is cooking up the blood and making it thick. But my question is then, where is the heat coming from? Like, it's one thing mm -hmm. to me, it's in the number five still like that static, like heat in the blood, we want to cool the blood and vitalize the blood. But then the question is, where is that heat coming from? And always it's either coming from the life force getting blocked up, meaning a yang confirmation, or the life force not being stored properly. So the ministerial fire not being stored and doing damage because it's improperly stored. And so for him, the the way I put it together was that um, he generally feels, he said he gets cold at first. He said, yeah, I'm cold. I'm sensitive to the cold, but that's really new. But at night, I always have a fan going in the room, no matter what. And, um, you know, and so, and that I, I get really agitated if the room is too hot and I sweat Anytime I feel too warm, I sweat a lot. And then I felt, especially his guan pulse on the right was really big and full. So for me, that's excess heat, which always means something's blocked and not moving through. And where is it blocked? In the Yang Ming. It's blocked in the mm -hmm. Yang Ming. There's no Xiaoyang. So, mm -hmm. And so he's got big heat, big sweat, big pulse. And so then the Yang Ming is like this tube going down and there are different kind of stations along the Yang Ming that can get blocked. You know, it can be in your epigastric area or your large intestine area or even like your bladder, all the whole tube, it can get blocked. But for him, it was actually like a Bai Hutong kind of pattern, you know, that it was formless heat. It that In other words, there was no block in his digestion his digestion so, was basically good yeah right his digestion's great his appetite poops everything so you know and it also goes along with baihutong that you have this easy sweat agitation when you get too warm and a feeling of of heat so for me where is the heat coming from is that this aspect of yang ming is not open through and for me, Bai Hutong opens it, you know, it opens it vertically and that it's, it's actually affecting his blood because it's so built up in the Yang Ming. So the formula is Bai Hutong with herbs to help to uh, like liquefy and cool his blood, like Sheng Di Huang and Xuan Shen to go into his blood and help liquefy it. But if you don't go to the source of the heat problem, you know, then you can cool heat and you can have some effect, but you haven't gone to the root of the problem. So if that's how we're looking at it. In, no. And, and it's really the fire that's there is only his own life force that 
got blocked in his chest area and is now affecting his blood. It's not an, a hot pathogen, right? It's just his own life force that got blocked. So that's how, you know, we can look at it and see it in a static way. He's got excess heat. He's got, you know, heat in the blood, um, you know, cooking his blood and making it static. But then we bring it into number six with the question of where is this heat coming from? You know, is it deficient heat or excess heat? And that information will come from the signs and symptoms. And so we see it then, the yang is not coming down properly the way that it should. And we have to open up that movement so that the heat will disperse naturally. It's like opening windows to cool a room rather than bringing buckets of ice into it. And just... Um, and Shergao, yeah. I have a beautiful quote about Shergao where um, a doctor is saying, you know, if you if you try to crack Shergao into pieces, you'll see that um, that only vertical pieces, no horizontal pieces, and that's really important for how Shergao works. You know that it makes the young men go vertical. When it doesn't go vertical, it gets stuck and starts invading other things, cooking things and drying them. And for this guy, it was cooking his blood over a long period of time. So that's just an example of how you can move from a static picture and a static picture will get you so far. But then when you move it into space-time mm -hmm. motions, a, a different picture shows up that can take you so much further than the static picture. Yet it's also yeah, very important to see that study. he's got... Um, He's got heat in the blood, no doubt about it. And he's got excess heat. And the first formula was kind of addressing it, um, but didn't really have the question, where's this heat coming from? And in my mind, it's why the Shang Han Lun is called the Shang Han Lun, because the Han, the cold, is everything that's opposite the physiological warmth that, that goes against the life force is cold. So even a Yangming pattern, the block itself is, is yin, right? Because it's static and not moving. So we could say even in Yangming, it's still damage from cold that stopped the movement of Yangming. And then the heat developed, you know? So you know, we have this limited view of what it means to have damage from cold, like just oh, yes. cold coming in. You, you're in cold weather or something. But I think it's even it's much deeper than that. It's anything that comes in and messes with the free movement of our life force, which is yang. Anything that gets in the way of the yang. It, I, I had a patient the other day. I did some gua sha on. And it was like right around small intestine 10-ish, between 10 and 11. Really brought up this dark purple shot. And the thing that was so surprising to me about it, I mean, I'm scraping away. I'm going like crazy. You would think it would feel warm, right? It felt like an ice cube. And the more mm. that I would gua, the colder it got. 
which from a standard Western physiologic point of view makes no sense whatsoever. From a Chinese medicine point of view, oh, there was something, there's a way that the yang chi has not been able to move through this area. And, and that's why that the problems are there. And it may not necessarily be cold coming in and causing damage, but if for some reason the yang gets blocked up, you will end up with cold. It could be mm. internally generated, right? It can come from outside. Like you say, if the physiologic processes don't get to go to their completion, we can see cold arriving because the yang can't get there. You know, I, yeah, I, and to me- One of the beauties of, even, of this cover, yeah, go ahead. Uh, the 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 idea of cold like if you think about you know if um if you know somebody comes in and says something mean to you um mm. you know they walk in and they say you know you're no good at this what do you who do you think you are and what do you feel? You feel like maybe your heart sinks, your tummy clenches, you know, someone else might flush and sweat a little bit. Like that upsets the free movement of our life force. And we could say that's damage from cold. You know? mm -hmm. So like cold can come in in lots of ways. You know, what is it that promotes the free movement of our confirmations and what is it that gets in the way of it and certainly emotional assaults mess us up you know <laughs> um absolutely and so it you know it um i think the the whole idea of cold can expand into you know beyond cold from the environment to anything that puts a wedge in the function of these space-time motions in my body would be considered cold and then the manifestation of the block may be even heat you know and fluids get screwed up and everything stops functioning well um and so the manifestations can be in all these which ways you know but the um, the initial upset of the space-time motions, we could say, always is damage from cold. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jing well points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2022 
2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. This is such a helpful point. We, you know, we live in this Western biomedical world. We think about germs as causing problems and it's easy to take germ theory and, you know, then you take the idea of Xia Qi, you know, evil Qi and go, oh yeah, that, well, that's a pathogen. And we tend to think of, you know, bugs, you know, literal, you know, other life forms coming in and causing us problems. It, it's a very Western point of view. And, and these things do happen and they can cause their problems. But taking this larger view that you're sharing with us here today of recognizing that it might just be our normal physiology that somehow has gone a little bit amok, a breath that can be not completely exhaled, right? Or an inhale that cannot be taken all the way down into the dantian or a digestion, you know, it's whatever, even as you were saying, a comment that makes you clench and then you don't unclench. And mm -hmm. so the chi doesn't move through. And so now you end up with a blockage. There are so many ways that our physiology itself can just go amok a little bit. Right. And, and you it's can not think necessarily about... a bug from the outside. Well, there, you know, there are bugs from outside, but how do we look at the symptoms that are created? Like, to me, the symptoms that show up, you know, and you can try this on in your practice and see what, what comes to you. But for me now, for many years, the symptoms that are showing up are not the symptoms of the bug, you know? So somebody, they get bit by a tick, they now have Lyme disease, but this, the symptoms that show up are either how their body wasn't functioning well, even before the tick bite, which makes it hard for them to process the tick bite, the symptoms are, are the symptoms of where their body isn't working well. They're not the symptoms of the Lyme disease. So a, a pathogen like, like Lyme can also upset the function of the body. So you know, there's, for me, I treat lots of people who frame their illness as having Lyme disease. And so, but what I look at is, well, so it doesn't even matter whether they have Lyme or not. What I need to do is promote the function that either wasn't functioning before they got the tick bite that made them unable to process it, or the function that got upset because of the tick bite. But there's nothing in my work that's looking to get rid of, to find or get rid of the Lyme. No, that okay, never this happens. Is super, this is. I have great results, this, you know, and I just let people, there's all these people that think I cured their Lyme, you know, and I'm like, I don't know. To me, I just restored the function of Taiyang, you know, but okay. Um, you know, and it's different on every person. Um, but you know, no matter what the quote infection is, we can look at it as um, upsetting a function in the body that we need to now restore. And 
since I have shifted my whole paradigm to think that way, the results are so much better than if I'm searching for a pathogen, you know, uh, you know, especially a lot of times the confirmations are thought of that way. Like there's a pathogen in Shaoyang or there's a pathogen in Taiyang and um, that I, I never look at things that way at all anymore and find it distracting and not helpful to look at it that way. So you're looking more for where is the physiology not expressing itself fully in the way that it's supposed to and looking to correct right. that. That's right. Earlier in our conversation, you were, we were talking about that the six, I'm going to use the word levels here because it's often described that way. The six Jing, it's not a layer cake. It's actually a circular process, just That's like right. the five phases is a circular process. Really, the six confirmations, do you think of this as more like a ring or a sphere as opposed to a layer cake? How, how does this exactly. look in your mind? Oh, it's, it's not just my mind. I mean, I think it's the mind of the Yellow Emperor. I mean, they talk about the resolution times and everything is in cycles, everything. And it's very clear you know, that the tie-in is when the sun is just under the horizon, you know, the ministerial fire has pivoted into position and now we can digest food in the tie-in and transform fluids. And that, you know, and then the the Shaoyin has to do with midnight and winter and um, nighttime. And we have to store our yang all night long very well in order to sleep and restore. And that Zhuiyin is the reawakening. It's the end of yin and the reawakening of yang going up and out towards the east, but still below the horizon. And Taiyang is then comes after Zhuiyin. And the Neijing talks about the movement of the it, the movement of the constellations in relation to the six confirmations. And if you face south, the order of them as they go around in a, in a circle all the time and the timing of them. So it's very explicit in the Neijing that this is a circular process and how that got moved into a linear process when nothing in Chinese medicine is linear. I don't know. And you know, I think also about the um, the Wenbing, you know, because it's sort of like, well, there's damage from cold and then there's warm illness. Like if we need we need a medicine for cold, but then we need a medicine for warm as well. But the Wenbing theory was much, much later, you know, in the 1500s that started to develop. And the whole idea of these pathogens coming from the outside and and really the separation of the person from nature you know, where there's me here and outside there and those things outside can get in me and mess with me, you know, that that idea had strongly developed. And the idea that the Shanghan Lun was about cold pathogens coming in. So now we need another book about warm pathogens. But actually, the whole idea of the Wembing, all those formulas can be understood within the context of the Shanghan Lun physiology. You know, the Shanghan Lun physiology doesn't rule out at all um, hot symptoms. You know, that's, that's major in the Shanghan Lun. And 
So actually something that might be a wind heat on the way level in Wenbing would be an incomplete Taiyang um, starting to develop Yangming heat. It's a, it would be a Taiyang Yangming pattern. No, you don't need the idea of wind heat in order to treat those kinds of illnesses. You don't need the Wenbing theory at all. The, some of the formulas are fantastic and, and to be kept in all kinds of formulas, but they can all be understood within the context of this um, Shanghanlun, the sixth confirmation physiology. And that's to me, like Phil was saying, going back to the source where it's really clean. And by the time it got to the Wenbing, the, there's a really big difference in how people started to think about their relationship with the environment from the classical times. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. And I've also heard it said that the Wenbing, the people that were thinking about things at that time, they were deeply schooled in the Shanghanlun, right? I mean, they, I suspect they also were able to perceive physiology in a similar way that you talk about perceiving physiology. Maybe, I'm not uh, sure. It, well, you know, we're also all products of our times. And so for us, for those of us in the modern age, to be able to step back from some of our biomedical and especially germ theory thinking and to begin to go back to some very basics for us in our Chinese medicine of looking at how physiology works and to think less about I'm trying to fix or get rid of a problem, which is the business of medicine in the modern world. We're going to get rid of your problem for you to stand in this other place of there is something inside of you. There's a physiological life force that has its movements and storages that if that was set right, you take care of yourself. I mean, right. that's, that's so much the basis of Chinese medicine. When the Zheng Qi is strong, there's no room for illness. Well, a question I often get asked is, well, how come the Zheng Qi got so messed up? If, you know, if my body is so damn smart, why am I in your office? Well, after this conversation with you today, it makes me realize, ah, there's a, there's a kink in your physiology. Mm-hmm. And really, yeah, and if you think about even we so the often idea. think about getting rid of something, but really we're just looking to re-regulate something. Yeah, and Zheng Chinan says that, um, he says there's flowing with and against, like Shun mm. and Ni. You know, you flow mm. with time or you flow against time. And that this is the same as the correct, the correct, the Zheng Qi, it's not really a, a substance, it's things being... Um, it means like level and plumb, like everything being lined up with the movements of heaven, you know, being correct, being in right relationship with heaven and the space-time motions is the Zheng Qi. It's not a substance. And the opposite of the Zheng Qi is Xie, the evil, you know? So if you're not correct, that's the definition of an evil, which we usually translate as a pathogen. You know, so Zheng Qinan is saying the whole idea of pathogen got really messed up. You know, that that pathological, that that character, it means like not aligned right. 
You know, Jung means being aligned right in between heaven and earth. And evil means not being aligned right. And the medicine then realigns us. And so that got kind of translated over time as pathogen, you know. So it's this pathogen that got in and that I have to now get rid of. And so that's what I've, you know, sort of from the beginning of once kind of seeing oh, it's all about tracking the young and seeing these space-time motions of the confirmations and then really realizing, oh, like this whole idea of pathogen, we, we don't have to, we can see it in a different way, you know, that it's just not being right with time in space, you know, not being lined up properly and that the signs and symptoms tell us the way we're not lined up right they, they will show us if we know how to read them where we're not lined up right. And then John Jung Jing told us, what do you do about it? You know, if you see this, you do that. And, you know, so we have all these amazing tools to get people right with the space-time motions. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, yes. Well, and a long, long topic. I've just got one more question I suspect there's listeners out there as well with this question at the moment. And and that is if some, I'm, especially if this stuff makes sense to you, the conversation we've had today in the back of your mind or in the center of your chest or wherever center of your gut, wherever you happen to go, Ooh, there's something. Uh, if you got that feeling and you go, yeah, I want to get more into this kind of thing. I'd like to learn to be able to see the physiology better. What are some steps that listeners could take to begin to gain this kind of a perspective and this kind of a relationship with time, space, motion? Yeah, well, um, well, you know, over time, there are just so many more and more resources. Um, one really beautiful resource that just came out is um, Liu Li Hong's new book called Classical Chinese Medicine. That's L-I-U-L-I-H-O-N-G, Liu Li Hong, Classical Chinese Medicine. It's a translation of a book um, that I'm so happy is translated because um, yeah, it's very difficult for me to read. The Sukhao Zhongyi, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, and I think he he has a very similar perspective to me um, in terms of the space-time motions and the meaning of the confirmations. Um so that's a great book. And, you know, of course, there are different translations of the Shang Han Lun and Jing Guayale. Um, and I think studying the Neijing um, is, is a wonderful way to go. And then I teach a two-year program. We're in the middle of one right now. Um, and there'll be another one in 2021, I think, starting in the spring of 2021. And, and we you know, I, I stick with the students really closely over two years and we go through a process of really learning how to see this way. Um, it's called the graduate mentorship program because I get, I really mentor people to make sure people are getting it. And we practice a lot through case reviews and um, discussion forums. And um, so that's been great. I love working with students over time and, um, you know, and they always teach me a lot because if something's not clear, 
then it helps me to clarify and be able to articulate it and kind of um, guides my research as well. Um, yeah, so that's it's, it's, a resource. It's endless, for isn't it? Um, you know, but there are lots of, um, uh, you know, studying with Huang Huang, the 10 key formula family book is wonderful. Um, you know, Huang Huang doesn't really think about the Shang Hanlin physiology so much. And, um, you know, but his work on the 10 key formula families was so influential to me. Um, I also studied a lot with Dr. Feng Shirlun, who, you know, has a really interesting way of looking at the confirmations, but he sees them as um, locations in the body rather than space-time motion. So still he has the idea of like the pathogen that's located in Xiaoyang. And also he moves from symptoms over to confirmation. And and um, it's hard to track, like, how did he actually get there? Because for me, it was hard to track how he got from the symptoms. And I realized there, there are, it's, he's doing a leap that isn't being clear to the reader or listener, you know, that's, he's doing something else that's not, he's not quite articulating um, because it's, you, you can't always move from symptoms. Like the symptoms can be put together in the, a different way that could mean a different confirmation. Um, but still, um, I learned so much from Functional and I think he's really worth studying with um, just his way of working with the classic formulas. So there's, there's so many resources out there that are yeah. wonderful. Well, it's, it's helpful to hear those that, that you've relied on, that you found to be helpful. My experience has been, Michael, there is no one you. resource that gives it all, I'm but getting you. these different can you hear glimpses, me? I can hear you. I can hear you. I don't know why I can't hear you anymore. Uh oh. Um, well, let me check um, my sound settings. Um, input. Oh, hold on. Can you talk now? Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Somehow my sound settings got changed without me oh, changing them. You can hear me. You can hear me but now, I can though. Hear you now. Okay, yes. so let me just finish what I was going to say, and then we'll move to the next thing and, and wind up. Um, so yes, it, it it seems like there's no one resource that will help you to get this kind of a, a vision and be able to stand in the place where you're standing, or any of us are able to stand and, and see the larger, broader pictures. It often takes a number of different perspectives. And so whatever it is that moves us a little bit further along, gives us this ability to see that in many ways, the basics of our medicine contain a richness of material. And just because we don't get it in the beginning doesn't mean that richness is not there. It just means we might need to learn to stand in a different place to be able to understand what the exactly. people that were writing that stuff were actually looking at and using themselves. Yeah. Sharon, any other thoughts you'd like to leave us with before we wind this up for today? Mm. You know, I think there's something really beautiful about when medicine shifts to thinking about oneself as this person in between heaven and earth and wanting to sort of be right with time 
you know, so that I wake up when the sun wakes up and I go to sleep when the sun goes down and my, and things change throughout the movement of the seasons and, and just starting to perceive your own body that way. And looking at the bodies of your patients as being in relationship to heaven and earth and our job as kind of promoting that relationship, it, it becomes, for me, it becomes a really beautiful medicine, like connected with everything, not just kind of fixing things inside people's bodies, but actually, um, you know, aligning things so that their relationship with all these beneficial forces is Mm. strengthened. You know, my, my daughter is a permaculture farmer and she talks about, you know, there's, there's this sun and there's the rain and there's the earth. There are all these forces that just are there to help you. And you just have to line up with them and let them all do the work, you know, and it's really similar to that. Um, uh, So it doesn't fall far from the tree, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You sound like uh, Sabina Wilms there, right? Our, our, Our good friend who does these wonderful translations I'm not a practitioner, but I am a farmer, so I understand this stuff. <laughs> That's what she's always telling me. Yes, it's true. Well, it's Sharon, like she, has a, she has a strong relationship with nature, and it really informs her work. You can just tell. Yeah. Yeah, and ours as well. Well, again, thank you so much for sitting down for a conversation today. I hope all the listeners have found this to be as interesting as I have, and I'm Looking forward to getting into clinic this afternoon and uh, poking around with those six confirmations with a slightly different perspective. Thank you so much, Michael. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. (laughs) 